What are we doing for our love? What are we as married couples tonight actively doing to build our love, to make one another's lives better? We're going to talk about that tonight, and we want to greet our live stream audience. We're glad that you can join us this Sabbath evening. What are we doing? Think about that, because as we go through the message tonight, we're going to be talking about four ways, there are many ways, but four ways that we need to be building, making a better marriage for our love. I said to my wife, oh, it's been probably a little over a week ago, we had just finished doing uh, the Michigan Conference Marriage Retreat. And I, I just have to say, this is not a plug for Michigan Conference, although I'm a Michigander by birth and was raised there till I, I, I left there to go uh, to my career. But it was such a joy to see what they're doing to build marriages in the Michigan Conference. We had 68 couples there that wanted to be there, that were excited to be there, and were looking forward to ways to build their marriages. And I have to tell you, and for those of you that have been here for many years, it's great to see people that have been here from the beginning. Brings back fond memories. For those of you that have been here for years, this won't be a new thought to you, but for those that are new, do you believe that our love can grow better than we've ever imagined that, that it would grow? I'm telling you that <clears throat> I said to my wife after this marriage retreat that we had together there in Michigan, I said, I am experiencing a love growth spurt. Yeah, you've heard of, you know, our children have growth spurts and, you know, we're done with that as adults. Our only growth spurts are getting wider or, anyway. But I said, I am experiencing a love growth spurt. I never used that term before. I mean, I've said we're, we're falling more and more in love and I don't know how we can love each other more. But we were thinking about this. How, how did you like that? Just, I, I came out of that just spontaneously. I liked it, but I already knew it. That's the exciting thing because it wasn't just the words. I was already experiencing a deeper level of love from his heart to my heart. And it was incredible. And we're going to share some of those ways that that happens in those four areas. But it, it's not something that we have to say, guess what, honey, I'm falling more in love with you. I mean, that's nice, but it should be able to be demonstrated. Oh, I mean, I, I was so excited. And it's... <laughs> Whenever I start feeling like this, even up here, my wife, she either steps on my toe or she's... We have an acrylic podium, honey. I have to be careful of my nonverbals. Should we be excited about our love? I love being with my wife. And I can't explain this. I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. We can fall more and more That's in love, right. and it is an amazing thing. 
And this is really how God's love works. That's right. Do you believe it? God's love for all eternity, if we're there by the grace of Jesus Christ, we are going to experience more and more of the love of our God. And we're going to give more and more and more of our love back to him. That's right. So why shouldn't that be happening in our marriages? Is that a fair question? There's a few amens on that. I'm not really looking. I mean, I'm glad to get the amens, but it would be wonderful if we were just, yes! Because it is a tremendous blessing to continue falling more and more in love. And so the reason that my wife, when I said, I'm having a love growth spurt. It was no news to her because we were experiencing a deeper connection. And just in the privacy of our own conversation, we like to let you in on some of these. In the privacy of our own conversation, we say things like this to each other. How can this be happening? I didn't know I could love you more than I'm loving you. Isn't that exciting? Amen. And it doesn't happen by accident, okay? Neither does our love and response to God happen right. by accident, okay? And we're going to be talking about that tonight. There's a verse in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, and it says it this way. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. That's inspired. God is giving us permission, and not even permission, but, but a mandate of love, that it grows and abounds more and more. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, it is a very exciting thing. So let's not be content where we are. We can all have great marriages. Maybe our marriage isn't very good. But wherever we find ourselves tonight, it doesn't have to remain the same as you walked in this room. You can walk out with a love that is already kindled and, and, and growing in your heart for your spouse. And that's the exciting thing. We don't want to see things plateau. Our relationship with God won't, isn't to plateau. Our relationship here isn't to plateau. And our relationships with others isn't to plateau. It's not just because God wants us to have this great experience in marriage so that we can think more about his love for us and how he wants us to respond to him. It's because he wants to channel that love in our hearts and through us to others, first in our home and then to everyone else we come in contact with. It is not just stopping here. It will be something that flows from us as we are connected with Christ and with one another. So we want to look at four areas tonight. And like my husband said, there are more than four, but we've kind of taken a little bit different approach to examining how we are to fall more in love, what we can do to build and strengthen and secure our love in our marriages. And so we're going to be talking about these four areas of intimacy, intimacy in our communication, intimacy in the emotional realm of our relationship. We're going to be talking about physical intimacy and parents don't panic. And lastly, we're, we're going to be, be discreet. And lastly, we're going to be talking about spiritual intimacy. And these are all part of what helps us to grow our love one for another. So, let's dive right into it. Intimacy in communication. Do you think it's important? 
Maybe we understand communication is important, but maybe we've never really considered that it's important not just to have communication, but to have an intimate communication that connects more than just the head, but it connects the heart and it connects our souls one to another. So we want to talk about how we can make our communication more intimate, more bonded, more intentional communication where our desire and everything we're talking about parallels being in his steps. Mm -hmm. This relationship under the relationship with God is the most significant representation of the union of Jesus to his people. There's nothing more significant. God wants to make that relationship here on earth the best representation that he can make. He wants to know us. He wants us to know each other at an intimate level. So we're going to share a little story with you because it, we want to illustrate what we naturally would have a tendency to do in communication and then why that doesn't work, why we need God working in our thoughts and in our hearts and in our minds and in our words to build the relationship. This, was, this is an experience we have that happened to us on more than one occasion, but this one is really like forever embedded in, particularly in my mind. Classic. A classic. This is BC, before our children were born. I cannot tell you what the topic was that we were discussing. We were having good communication, but something happened and it broke down. And somewhere in that discussion, when it began to break down, not only did our communication break down, but our emotions both got stirred up. Not the positive, I love you emotions, but the, you know, what's your problem? You know, this kind of, you know, you know those emotions that come. And so in that communication, as it broke down, we finally just stopped talking and he went in the other room and I had a thought like this. I think I'm just going to go. I'm going to go downstairs to the garage. We had a, you know, a, what a, kind of like a basement garage. Yeah. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to get in my car. These are the thoughts. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go to town. And I'm just going to give him some time all by himself so he can think about this, right? And then when I come back, we can work it through. But I never told him I was leaving. He was in the other room. He didn't hear me go downstairs. He didn't hear the garage door open. He didn't hear me start my car. Notice I emphasize my car because I had my car and he had his car when we came into the marriage. So I got in my car, not his car, even though I had a key to his car. And I decided I was going to go to town and shop because I needed time away. Now, ladies... I really want you to enter in because it's not just that we want time away, but oftentimes we as women, we want to do things that may cause what my husband calls that I wanted to punish him. I wanted him to feel bad. I wanted him to discover that I was gone, I was missing, and he would be all concerned, where am I? This is before cell phones. Where am I? What happened? Maybe I was just too strong. Maybe I got too intense. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. These are all thoughts I'm having. And so all the time I'm, you know, in the process of driving to town, I'm thinking about how bad he's going to feel when he discovers I'm gone and I left on a bad note. Isn't that terrible? I'm not going to ask you if you've ever done anything like that in your relationship. 
But I know I don't stand alone here tonight in, in that kind of response. It may not be identical. But I have to also say that I was absolutely miserable the entire time I was gone. And I was feeling guilty that, and I was ashamed of myself for acting so childish that I would have that kind of thought. And I was miserable and I'm just thinking, I just need to go home. I feel terrible about this. And so as I'm driving home, I'm getting all my, my heart ready to say, honey, I'm so sorry that, you know, I, I didn't say anything. Because when I got home, I was imagining the whole scene that he would be out in the front yard kind of wondering where I am looking around and when he saw the car drive in he was going to be so excited and come and give me this big hug and say honey I'm so sorry that I spoke to you like that and I got so intense with you and I and I just and this is what I'm thinking and so I'm coming home and I'm thinking all this is happening and I drive in and he's not there I park the car in the garage he's nowhere to be seen I go in the house ready to confess of my horrible sins and he never missed me he never knew I was even gone. And that bothered me. Kind of wiped out her confession, actually. Just totally drained it. Because when, believe it or not, this doesn't sound very good, but believe it or not, we were getting better in our communication yeah. at this point. One of the things that came to me by being role modeled by my dad when my mom and dad got into an issue that was not working out and communication was breaking down, instead of them getting angry and irritated, we've been through that many times, I defaulted to a better way. Not God's way, but a better way. And so I would just separate, go go. Get busy. That's what, my, that's what I learned from my dad. Didn't matter if it was outside, if it was somewhere in the house, the garage, wherever. My dad would just sort of disappear and go get busy until everything seemed to calm down. So that was what I was doing. I just got busy and the Holy Spirit was working in my heart. That's the good news. That it's always, mm -hmm. always working just as the Holy Spirit was working in your heart. The problem is, and this is just a little side note, men, this was an example of how a woman can build a story that you have no idea is going on, okay? Sometimes it happens in the wee hours of the night while you are sleeping and you don't have a clue that by morning you have changed into a bad person. And then you wake up and you get these vibes that all is not well here. <laughs> and you try to explore it and you find out that some things happened in the night because you did not meet some expectations that were non-stated, non-written agreements. You did not meet those expectations and in the night she woke up thinking about it. This was just a little illustration of how that works. And it happens more in women than men, right? Mm -hmm. We agree on that? We do. Oh, I agree with you, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it doesn't happen that way for you, but we've heard the story many times. So, my wife is now disappointed, re-insulted, because I didn't meet you with... Well, not what you even expected. that you didn't meet me, but that you never knew I was gone. That was the part that, that was really the worst part. Me. Because your whole plan backfired. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. But 
the Lord was working in my heart. Was I happy to have you come home? You were. You come were. Home, and, even and, though I didn't know you were gone. That's right. <laughs> okay. And after, after the initial disappointment, I really told him, I, I, I feel terrible about this. And I tell you, it only happened once. It never happened again. Because we are learning and we continue to learn how to communicate more effectively and more intimately. So we don't have to go through the, the trauma of, of poor mis, miscommunication. So, many of you, again, those that, that have been at other retreats know that we're not afraid to share vulnerably what happened to us a week ago, a month ago, a day ago. This just happens to be an example that we call, I call classic. Because this kind of communication happens in the heads of two people who are not coping the way God wants us to cope with our differences. So avoiding conflict doesn't make conflict go away. Absolutely. We have to really learn how to work through our differences and come to a mutual understanding. And that will build the level of love and intimacy in our communication. And so now, it's not that, like you said, it's not like we don't ever have a misunderstanding, but I tell you, they are so few and far between, and they're so poofy. I mean, they're different. They're, they're not explosive. They're just little poofs of, you know, and it's just over in moments. I mean, that is a much happier place to live, and that grows our love and communication. And that is a direct reflection on the power of God, Amen. not on us. That's right. Okay? I'm very sensitive to this. When we talk about growing in grace and the, po the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is a life-changing power. And I hope you're experiencing, I have to believe that you are experiencing it, at least to the level that you want to be here at an event like this and you want more of that experience. We want more of that experience. And we are actively, for our love, actively seeking it every single day, just like we seek God. It does not happen by accident. And so we are learning how to be intimate in our communication. There is nothing at this point, as we stand before you today, by the grace and power of God, there is nothing that we cannot communicate about. There is nothing that we have that creates sparks that fly because, oh, here we go again. And I can tell you, it's vivid in my memory that I've said words like this. Here we go again. Well, let's just get it over with. I know what you're going to say. You know what I'm going to say. Is that, is that intimate communication? But we don't have to communicate. And for many years, we are not communicating that way anymore. Because we've decided that for our love and to respond to the love of God and whose steps we're seeking to follow in our marriage that we don't have to keep defaulting to the same place. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. And so we're communicating about what we mean to each other on a daily basis. Okay? Now that doesn't mean that I, I'm just speaking flowery words to my wife every day. But I'll tell you 
what's being conveyed to her. And you've heard me again. You've heard me say these kind of things. There's nobody in the world that I would rather be with than this girl right here. Amen. Nobody. Okay. This is who I want to be with. This is who God gave me to, to be with me through better and worse, rich and poor, who I vowed to love, honor, comfort, and cherish till death do us part. I did not understand much about that back when I said those vows. Mm -hmm. But there's nobody I'd rather be with today. And she knows that. And he does tell me that fairly often. We're going to give you a few little examples because as we grow our love, as our hearts grow closer to Christ, and as we grow our love closer to one another, and we, we are intentional about communication at a heart level and expressing our love and appreciation for one another and our respect for one another, it grows deeper and they become more, they, they become more frequent, they become um, more spontaneous, and we can be, you know, just finishing up the meal and you know my mother bless her heart she likes to do everything she can do to help us in our home so she has by her own choice taken over becoming the official dishwasher in our home except on sabbath so i hardly ever have to wash a dish in the house so after breakfast sometimes she'll she will always she'll go in the kitchen we'll help clear the table and she'll go start the dishes and of course we go into the office we're getting ready to start our day and then spontaneous comments just come out at the beginning of our time together we're going to be working together and the other day my husband said this and it's a, well it's probably been a couple weeks ago and he said it twice since then and it's the first time I've heard these words but they were very deep to my heart and this is what we're talking about intimate communication he says I am it is so amazing that God allowed me to have you for my wife that was deep for me and it just came out of him just spontaneously and I knew what he meant by that but then later, he, he wanted me, he says, no, I really want to tell you why I feel that way. And he began to explain it to me, even though I knew it intuitively and, and because of previous conversations. So that was huge. That's what we're talking about. Not just the common communication we are accustomed to having, but as we follow in God's steps, in Christ's steps, we're going to discover that God has so much more of a rich blessing for us to experience in our marriages and in communication. And this word intimate, we're intentionally using this word because in every one of these areas we're going to talk about this evening, the intimacy that we experienced in that moment, and this is what I'm talking about with love growing, the intimacy of connection that we experienced in that moment is so rich and so deep and, and there's so much that's the part that's hard to explain but it was a, a mutual connection we believe that this kind of love this kind of intimacy must be mutually meaningful and connected together it can't just be one sided and if it's real and it's deep it will not just be one sided mm -hmm. We've got many examples, but we probably better move on to the next section. Emotional intimacy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I thought I understood all this kind of stuff, okay? We got some newlyweds out here. Maybe they, 
They're right on target, huh? Okay. It I, can get better, believe me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I hope you won't take this wrong. Again, this isn't in the notes, but I have said to my wife so many times. Careful. Careful. Yeah. See, she doesn't really know what I'm going to say. I think I do. That's why I think we better go back to the notes. <laughs> Trust me, we'll talk about that off stage. <laughs> do you really think you know? I think I do know. I don't think you know. Okay. <laughs> he will give a report tomorrow. Who who knew and who didn't know? How's that? Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. She knows pretty well. And... All right. Back to emotional intimacy. I thought that's what I was talking about. Emotional intimacy. Okay. Was... Okay. So. After we were married, <clears throat> there was two friends that I had in Academy that were we, were, we were the three musketeers. Now, most of you, I'm surprised I heard little voices there. I was going to say, most of you young people won't know anything about the three musketeers, and that's not the point. But we were viewed as the three buddies in school that were inseparable, Inseparable. If you saw Is one, you saw all three. We were always together, connected. And I could not wait, okay, to take my bride to my, one of the three guys, and spend time at their home, to be quite honest with you, showing off my bride, okay? It's a lot of years ago. I still like to show her off, so it doesn't have to be pride, okay? Anyway, you understand that in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, I am so happy to be with you. I know that. That's okay. what we'll keep it there. All right, sorry. But I was so That's excited. That's the problem with just bullet notes, you know. <laughs> I was so excited to introduce my wife in a personal way to Jeff at his home. He did come to our wedding. He actually yeah, he sang there. at our wedding. And it was very precious because he had a, a terminal illness. And he, he made the choice, even though he didn't feel well, to come to our wedding. And he sang at our wedding because he had a beautiful voice. And then his parents couldn't be there. The rest of his family couldn't be there. And so we went to visit him in his parents' home and his family's home. Yes. A very A little detail. Ladies like the details. Personal visit. And unfortunately, he died three years later. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the story here, my wife... And I didn't understand this. My wife had terrible allergies, hay fever. And I didn't think about the fact that going to my friend Jeff's house, which is a farm. I was a raised hay on farm. a farm. It was a hay farm. But he's a hay farm. I was raised on a dairy farm. He's on a hay farm. I didn't even think about it. We got there. And we are just getting started with all the fun introductions. And we're invited outside for a nice picnic on the edge of the hayfield. How many moments did it take for you to, to come unglued? I mean, to start just... I don't know. All I know is that I don't remember much of the whole weekend. What I, the only thing I can have a vivid memory of is I went through boxes of Kleenexes. The allergies were the most, second most severe I'd ever had in my life. I sneezed uncontrollably. My throat itched, and I was going. Like we're that. sitting here, you know, his family's there. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> Trying to 
trying to scratch the back of my throat. I'm sneezing. My eyes are watering. And as the day wore on, my eyes are swelling shut. And in the morning, they were so, I was so swollen that my eyes were glued shut from the, from the reaction to the allergies. And, you know, this is many years ago, and the farmhouse didn't have air conditioning. They opened the windows, right? I didn't have any hay fever medicine. It's probably before the Claritin days, I don't know. But I'd never ever take anything. All I ever knew is to get, get into air conditioning. And so he is so excited, and now all of a sudden he's like, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? What's wrong with you? you know, stop. Can you stop sneezing? I can't stop sneezing. <laughs> At first I had, I had, what I found out, I'll just get right to the point. What I found out is that I did not have the emotional compassion that I thought I had for the love of my life. Okay, I did not, I did not know what the threshold was. And so for, for just a few minutes, I was very compassionate to her. Honey, are you okay? I mean, what's happening? But it got worse and worse. And I mean, she was literally just sneezing and sneezing and sneezing and sneezing. And the, just the tears are running. And it's like, I'm, I didn't say this, but the way my, 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 my attitude that was starting to come out was, get a grip on this. Come on, get a hold of yourself. Well, she couldn't. And so men want to fix it. There's a good thing about that, men, but we often try to do it at the absolute worst time. What my wife needed, and, I, and th this is another story that has impact in my life as a husband and as a man. That day, I didn't do well at all. My wife needed my understanding. She needed my compassion. She needed my tenderness. She got very little of that, and all I started to do was keep suggesting ways to fix it. You know, pluck your nose, close your eyes. I mean, all kinds of things, and she's feeling almost desperate. Yeah, it, totally <laughs> embarrassed, humiliated. You know, I, I felt like I didn't belong there, this, and I just wanted to leave, and actually I did. I mean, I, I, could, I got to the point I could hardly breathe outside, so I went back in the house, and I went upstairs to the bedroom, and I just stayed in the bedroom because I couldn't hardly breathe. And he's outside having a great time with his friends and their family, and I'm upstairs just, you know, sneezing and blowing and sneezing and blowing for most and it's, of the weekend. It's a sad testimony, and, and we can share these things because there is life-changing power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'd never share these stories, you've, a lot of you have heard lots of them, that are humiliating, that make me look like, you know, the selfish person I was. We don't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. I should have been up there with her. She needed me. But actually, I was relieved when she left. Isn't that horrible? But that's honest. That's it was a disruption, I have to say. Somebody sneezing constantly is a disruption to a conversation. And it was... It, this is the blindness of self. This is the me focus, which you've heard us talk about over and over. This is not the us focus. Yes, we were married, and we were learning to become one, but it was still, I was in the me focus, and this was very unfortunate that it was happening. And so instead of me being up there and being tender and understanding, but it was a turning point, another 
turning point. Inspiration says, be determined. This is Adventist Home, page 106. Be determined. Never. Inspiration is not afraid to speak in absolutes because of the power of God. Amen. Never grieve or injure your wife. Never. Do you think I injured her that day? What do you think? Emotionally, that was a painful experience for her that day because she needed me to have compassion, to, to be understanding. So never grieve or injure well, it says your spouse, but in this case, it was my wife. So it works both ways. It does. Yeah, and, and the first illustration, I mean, while it was a verbal illustration, it was also an emotional illustration because so often they go hand in hand. They're not separable. You have, they, they go together. And so we need to be sensitive to that because for our love, God wants to grow that and have a tenderness on an emotional level. Yeah, we tell you, we give you stories, right? I mean, we share our real lives, and it happened yesterday morning here. Um, I slipped in the bathroom full, in the bathroom. There's a little wet spot from the shower door dripping on the tile. And uh, I somehow, don't ask me how I do it, but I'm pretty good at being able to, to fall over insignificant things. We which, can all laugh about Which that. early on, again, he didn't understand that. Did, did you see that crack? Yes, I did. Well, why, how could you fall over if you saw it, you know? But now he fully understands it. So I did, I don't know what I did, but anyway, I slipped yesterday and I caught my second, second toe and third toe second, third, yeah. on my left foot. They went under as my foot went forward. They don't bend that far. Well, they did yesterday morning, I'll tell you what. And I, I still feel it. And it doesn't look very pretty and it's fatter than it used to be. And I'll be happy when I take my shoe off tonight, but... As soon as he recognized it, it was, he was there. Honey, you know, are you okay? I don't think it's broken. Well, now I think it might be broken, but they won't do anything anyway, but tape it together so we can do that if you want it or whatever. And then he took my foot, and after he evaluated, because he used to work for um, an orthopedic surgeon, you know, so he was always into moving joints around. And so after he did his little evaluation, he gave it a big kiss and said, Honey, I'm so sorry. Can I do anything else for you? That was just yesterday, connecting on an emotional level. Yeah, and it, it made me feel better just to know that he, he was there, not to, to enter in, yes, but to be there, whatever I needed. He would do anything for me. And it was just a little thing, but it meant a lot to me. Thank you, dear. That wasn't in our notes either. I know. Song of Solomon, page, page, <laughs> chapter. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 9, says, Thou hast ravished my heart. Is that a good thing? My, my wife has ravished my heart. She has opened my heart at that level of a depth of intimacy. It says, My spouse, thou hast ravished my heart with just one of thine eyes. Now, that's not really the focus for me. But what that means to us in a much deeper way, because, you know, there's, there's caution in Proverbs about the, the girls using their eyelashes to get the guys, enticing them. That's very negative. When you're married, 
Your wife can ravish you with her, her love in her eyes. It just says one eye, okay? <laughs> or small eyes. Both, okay? <laughs> so, <clears throat> I must say I like her eyes better when they're not hay fevered in, 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 in that situation. Yeah. But the eye is the window into the heart, mm-hmm. okay? You know, sometimes you're talking to somebody and you're just not really wanting them to see any emotion. You can put on these dark glasses and they say, I've had somebody say this to me and I've said it to somebody else. Would you take off those dark glasses? Why? I want to see your eyes because the eyes are the window into the soul. And she is ravishing my heart, drawing me into that kind of intimate connection that we can have emotionally. Because so often we think of love just as a romantic experience. And it, that's part of it, but that's not what real love is. Real love is very deep and it includes all these areas of how we communicate, how we treat each other, how we enter in with one another emotionally. And it also includes how we respond physically to each other. Intimacy, mm-hmm. physical intimacy, okay? Remember that in this message, we're talking about how we can make each other's lives better. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, this is a very simple thing, but it's a very amazing thing. If you will wake up in the morning and connect with your Father in heaven, and then look for ways to make your wife or your husband, depending on which side you're on, if you will begin at the beginning of the day to look for ways to make her life better for our love, God loves to cooperate with us as we cooperate with him. And he wants to make every part of our love better every day. So when we said physical intimacy... I know what some people thought, but we're talking about it at a very basic level and where that begins. Mm -hmm. My wife knows every day that I am looking. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm not successful or as successful as I would like to be every day. But every day I'm looking for how I can make her life better. Do you think that has an impact on her? Absolutely. And you're doing the same thing for me. That's mutuality. Mm -hmm. And we never said, you know, can we write up a contract here and see if we can do this for each other? It wasn't about that. No, it wasn't. It's really about making our love grow and making the life of our spouse a a better life. To really give ourselves the way Christ gave himself for us. And as my husband said, wake up in the morning. We wake up in the morning to connect with God because we want to be in his steps. We want to be on his path, right? Because his path is the path of path of peace and holiness. His path is the path of happiness and security. And that's what he wants in our marriages. So we want to develop that physical intimacy. Keep on. Okay. I just... Yeah, I need my hands. I guess I don't need my shoulder. Throw something in here. Go ahead. No, were you finishing your thought? No, but go ahead. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. (laughs) I just have to tell you that one of the things that my wife does every morning, and I love it, okay, that's a very physical... And this is, this is for all, all you women. If you want to have really connected physical intimacy, one of the things she does every morning 
when she finally ascertains that I am awake, she always wakes up earlier than me. Almost, Almost always. always. Rarely always. I wake up first. And so she'll, she will touch me or quietly say, honey, are you awake? Well, I really wait till his breathing pattern changes. It sounds so, like he's okay. coming to the, the level of semi-consciousness. <laughs> and then she, she will just quietly say, can we cuddle now? What I know from that, that moment forward, okay, and I can't demonstrate it exactly no. how we do it standing up. It's not as good. But it is very close and intimate. And when she lays her head on my chest, she begins to pray for me every morning. Is that physical intimacy? I'm telling you. <laughs> If you can imagine, because I don't have to imagine, I know what happens. What that does for me in my heart to how I want to give to my wife, how I want to meet her needs, that's physical intimacy. That's how we start every day together before we get out of bed. It's not a prescription, but try it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, it, it really sets in the, the, my heart as a wife. It, it puts an, everything on the positive. And I've come to recognize, I think, because I've lived life long enough and I've seen enough people who've unfortunately lost their lives. And we deal with a lot of people. Um, just this last weekend, we were in Moberly, Missouri, and one of the ladies came and shared with me after we were doing a marriage seminar there, too. And I said, you know, about the importance of really appreciating and treasuring every day with your spouse that you have as a gift from God. Because we only have today. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. And that has become so real in my heart and in my thoughts. It's there in the morning when I wake up. And as I shared that, she came at the end of the, the seminar at a break and she, she had tears in her eyes and she said, that was so moving. I lost my first husband at the age of 35. In the prime of life, from some rare cancer thing that came and took him in just a few months. Mm. They hardly had time to process what they were going through. And every day truly is a gift. And ladies, the more we focus on the gift God has given us and the gift we have chosen by our own free will and said, I do too, we want to nourish that. And that's part of the intimacy is, is the the communication we have, the emotional, and the physical closeness with one another. One of the things that my husband has done for me quite often in the recent, at no, no prodding or, or even the idea didn't come from me, we, our, our gate's probably, round trip from our gate, it's just a little under a quarter of a mile from where we come into our driveway to where our house is. And when I... We have our whole property fenced because the cattle will come in if you don't. Yeah, they'll eat everything. So because we don't want cows all over the patio and in, in our plants, we fenced it all off. And sometimes I'll go, because my mother is living with us, when she's home alone, all right, for days while we're here. Like so, right now. Like right now. So when I go home, when we go home, within a couple of days, I, intend, I take her out so she can get out and about. And we would go 30 miles and pick up the mail because we drive 30 miles to the post office. And my husband would say, say to me, I'll ride along with you. I'll open the gate. Or he'll just go down to the gate and open it. 
And the, I remember the first time it happened, he didn't even go down to open the gate, but I let him know I was on my way home, and he knew how much time from the point I called him to when I would approximately be to the driveway. And he left the home, he left what he was doing, he, you know, and that's very impressive for a woman to understand that he's busy, and men tend to be single-focused. So he's busy, he's in his box of work, and he's, he all of a sudden recognizes, okay, she'll be home in about a half an hour. And he calculates the time and he walks out to the gate and I come driving up and when I get to the gate, he's there with a big smile on his face and the gate is open. And he wants me to come in. So I don't have to get out of the car, open the gate, drive the car through the gate, get out of the car, shut the gate, get back in the car and drive home. I mean, it's a little thing, but it's very big. That's a physical intimacy. It's not just necessarily touch, it's actions. It's tangible things we can do to grow our love for our love. It's a simple example. It happens very often. And my mother will say, isn't that so nice? Isn't that nice? And then when we go to town, she wants to buy him a cherry pie. <laughs> Don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> it was not motivated by cherry pie, but it is his favorite. <laughs> and my mother says to me, Honey. But I never said anything about getting me cherry pie no. for opening the gate, right? No, you never did. <laughs> but it's, I, I, I've really, it's been a, such a blessing. To, I'm diverging here for a second. Such a blessing to have my mother in the home. Because I've learned so much as a married woman this far into my life of things I never realized on how to grow our love from what she would encourage me to do. Here I am in my 50s and to do for my husband. She says, you know, let's, let's take something home for Tom today. Let's get him a cherry pie. <laughs> That's a physical, it physical is, expression. Physical. We've got one at home that I was wanting to kind of get a piece of before we left for this trip. But I said, honey, it's too much to eat before we go. Of course, I could debate that and say, well, I could eat the whole thing. But that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be temperate. No. But anyway, so it's waiting for us when we go home. Yes. And get it out of the freezer. Another verse in Song of Solomon, 1 verse 2. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Is that descriptive? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Is that physical? Let me just say to you that we love to be together wherever we are, I can't tell you how many times we have thanked God for the privilege of doing ministry together. Amen. I know so many people that have to travel by themselves. It's very typical to have to travel to do ministry by themselves. And I do not take for granted the, the blessing of being together. We love being together. We love holding hands putting our arms around each other, going for walks, and kissing each other. What do you think, children? Like to see mom and dad kissing? Yes. It is one of the most... <laughs> Depends how they do it, right? It is one of the most security-binding, loving... Our children need to see us expressing affection, proper affection to one proper another. Proper affection. I said proper, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Proper affection one to another. They need to see those expressions. Our children, they still talk about it today. And our marriage, our two daughters that are married, 
It is so much fun to be with them and watch them with some of their expressions. Now, we always kiss each other at, after the blessing, wherever we are. So if you're ever with us and the blessing is said and I don't kiss my wife, call me on it because it happened once and I got distracted and the guy comes up behind me, not, not a minute later, he's tapping me on the shoulder at a fellowship meal at the church. He said, you just got done saying in that marriage seminar that you kiss your bride after you have the blessing. I said, you got me. <laughs> I said, I am still a guy that's on one track mind. And as soon as that prayer was over, I had another interruption and it took, my, took me down that. And so I, he caught me on that. But both of our girls, husbands, our son-in-laws, they kiss their wives after the prayer, the blessing is. Do you think that touches our hearts? Meaningful? Those little physical things that are happening from the beginning we wake up in the morning are what prepares the way for God's greatest blessing in the physical realm for marriage. Okay? One lady wrote us a question at one of our marriage seminars and it went like this. I don't know what it is about my husband, but he expects, and you might say this better than me, he expects to go through the day with no physical or emotional connection. Or communication. Or any kind of communication, but somehow he expects a miracle when we close the day. And just, you, know, you can fill in the blanks there. It's pretty well said, isn't it? We can't expect to culminate the most blessed part of that full union where the two shall become one that God has called us to if we are ignoring all the physical intimacy of the little things. Inspiration says, it's the little things, the little attentions that make up the sum, add them up, of life's happiness. We need more of that. So they all, all those three tie together, but the most important we say for the end you thought we talked about the most important, right? We haven't touched it yet. It's coming. The spiritual intimacy that God has for us as couples, as husbands and wives, for our love, he wants us to grow closer to him. Because when we grow closer to him and become more like him and we're willing to follow in his steps, then we become more effective in communicating the love that he's given us to our spouse. So spiritual intimacy is very important. And I am so thankful that my husband has taken this aspect of our marriage to a very high level of importance. He does not take for granted because we come to retreats and we share messages and we, this is our life of ministry that we are just okay. We are often, and he leads out often in discussions of where are we? You know, are we... three questions. Yes, his three questions. Go ahead, you say that what the three questions are. Three questions that over time God has put in my heart as a part of all this intimacy. The first question, and the first time that God put it on my heart to ask this question, I literally cringed <laughs> at what my wife might say. Honey, 
How am I doing? How am I doing? The very first time I asked that question, I literally cringed, and she said, you want me to be completely honest? And I cringed again. <laughs> but I knew what God was putting in my heart. And I said, yes. From that day, and that was not as easy that very first time, but what she shared with me was very important to our connection. And I began to understand why God gave me that question. The second question is, honey, how are we doing? Okay? It's a lot of misconceptions in marriage, a lot of wrong assumptions about how we're doing. I had one man call me once, and he was so distraught. And he said, I came home today from work, and my house is empty. My wife and my children are gone, and there's a note on the table. On the counter. It's, on the counter. counter. It's empty. And I said, and you don't have any idea why? He said, no. Well, as we talked, I understood immediately because life had been going the same for so many years with no communication, no intimacy that we're talking about here in the emotional, the physical. And as he just poured out his heart, the shock that he was experiencing, it became very clear to me why she left, not grounds to leave, but I understood. It was a desert in that home and she found her breaking point. So I said, honey, how are we doing? How are we doing? And it often sets us off into communication that always takes us deeper, always gives us another vision goal out there ahead of us for where we need to continue in our marriage. And then the last thing that I ask her is, how are you doing spiritually? And she knows exactly why I'm asking the question. These bring intimacy spiritually to us and connect us from morning till night. That's right. I remember several years in our marriage after we had three children that, um, you know, sometimes we as mothers can feel overwhelmed, inadequate, inefficient, a failure. We could, we could have all kind of words to describe how we feel, right? And I was going through one of those times and not only in my life as a, as a mother, but also recognizing that there are times in our experience when we just aren't vibrant in, in our study with the Lord. I mean, it just, I'm not getting something out of it. I, you know, I just, I'm a failure. I, I keep having the same weaknesses reoccur, reoccur, reoccur. And I was very discouraged, but I wasn't saying anything to him. I kept just trying to buck up and walk the walk and get, you know, improve. And I was praying about it, but it wasn't seeming to have any, the victory that I, I wanted and what I needed. And I kept focusing on all the failures. And of course, when we focus on our failures, we disconnect from, we lose the, the path. We lose the path. And, and then we're, we're in the darkness. And it's a, it's a very unpleasant place to be. And I remember one morning, I finally was vulnerable enough to tell my husband, I'm ready to give up. 
I, I, have, I can't really be what I, I read a Christian should be. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. I'm, I'm keep, you know, getting upset with the children, sometimes even yelling at them. You know, being frustrated about this, you know, not being able to do that. I'm just so tired of it all and so discouraged because sometimes the more we try, if we fail, the bigger the burden becomes. And it was so amazing because I'd never been that vulnerable. I had been at that point for a while, but never said anything to him. But that morning that I shared it, 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 it was a turning point in our marriage. And he said to me, I am feeling the same way. And that was a total shock to me because he saw me like, you know, I'm really getting it and I'm, you know, persevering and I'm so... Always up every morning. Every morning there on my knees and studying and all these things. And he just thought, oh, I just had a, just this great relationship with God and I'm cruising through it. And he was feeling very similar to what I was feeling. And my perception of him was his perception of me. But when we became honest where we were spiritually with one another it it brought us closer in our intimacy spiritually closer in our relationship in every way communication emotion physically and it set us off on a new path have we had dry spells since then yeah we have dry spells but i can tell you since that day neither one of us have said to one another or i have never felt i haven't asked you but we have not just felt like just throwing in the towel, giving up, and just going on and doing something else. We are, we're committed to, to hold on to Christ and walk together with one another on the journey. And we began that, I think that very day, you brought out the, the Desire of Ages. And we read through that book so slowly. And we both underlined things that that touched my heart or would touch his heart. And we talked about it. And that was such a rich spiritual experience for us that bonded our hearts in a level of spiritual intimacy that we have not lost, but it was like a, an acceleration of what God wanted to do through that experience. And it has been one of the reasons why we continue to study together in our right. devotions. Philippians 2 verse 2 says, Fulfill ye my joy that you may be like-minded and having the same love being of one accord and of one mind. This is the experience that God is offering to us as couples in the spiritual realm. Whatever we are going through, God understands it. Mm -hmm. God has a solution for every problem. God just needs each of us to be willing to let him have complete access to us. We need to lay down the things that block our communication. If you have three areas, we used to have three or four areas we couldn't talk about. If you have those areas in your life, don't accept it as status quo. Don't accept that we've learned ways to communicate around it. Do not accept that. That is not what God is asking of us, and it's not what he's pre prepared to change in us. There doesn't need to be anything between us. Nothing that roadblocks the intimacy in every one of these four areas, if we're willing. You know, when Jeremiah says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? 
We all know there's nothing too hard for, for God, but every time I read that text, every time I say it, I recognize in the human heart, right here, the hardest thing for God is when I say, no. You're knocking? No, not right now. I want to say it my way. I want to have these feelings. I deserve these feelings. I want to say what I want to say now. And self rises. That is the hardest thing for the heart of God. Because he loves us. The way he wants us to love each other. And he will not force us. So the hardest thing for God is a hard heart that says no. And tonight as you sit there and you know what's going on in your marriage. You know what God has been calling for in your heart. Tonight, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Because that's what makes it really hard for God to go all the way in your marriage. You want to have a great marriage? You want to do whatever you need to do for your love? Thank you. Whatever you need to do, because all that is ahead for us is not a bed of roses, but it is a life of peace and joy and happiness and love like you can't imagine you can experience anymore. And God has more. Mm -hmm. And I want more. More of his love working in my life so that more of my love for my wife can be manifest through the grace of God. Anything else you want to share? That's a good ending. That's a good ending. Tonight, as we go to our knees, I'm going to be asking God to do in all of us what only he can do. And I hope that each one of us will be willing to let him do what only he can do Amen. for our love. And when we're finished praying, the piano will play quietly for two or three minutes, please take those moments to either connect intimately with the love of your life, take those moments to quietly say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Or if you've already heard him speaking to your heart, Lord, help me to do what I know I need to do by your grace. And then when the piano quits playing, if you want to stay, if you want to linger, that's fine. But for those that need to leave, you can get up and make your way out. Let's pray together. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do for your love toward us. Oh, Father, may we as husbands and wives be willing to do all that we can do in your strength for our love in marriage. May we be responsive to your lightest whisper, the call to, to our hearts to make the one that stands by our side have a better day, a happier day, a less burdened day by our willingness to be sensitive to your spirit working in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.